0: Well, Larry Hughes is gonna pop out and get the ball. Jordan is gonna rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes.
1: Before we get into today's Emergency Wizards podcast to talk about the coaching search that's about to begin for the Wizards, I just want to talk to you about our sponsor, Bet Online. The month of June is heating up with tons of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures. I wonder if you can even place a bet perhaps on who's the next coach of the Wizards. That might be an interesting one. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or first pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And now let's start the show. All right, everybody, welcome into this uh, impromptu emergency podcast. I guess everybody's going to be throwing out emergency pods based on the Wizards' latest news that they are not going to retain Scott Brooks. Joining me here to talk about that is Washington City reporter Troy Halberton. Troy, thank you for coming on and, and talking to me on such short notice here.
0: Matt, it is my pleasure to be on. Like I was telling you uh, beforehand, I was just listening to your podcast yesterday with uh, Chase Hughes. That was that was very great work. So I felt very honored that you uh, asked me to come on and, and talk about this big Wizards news today.
1: Uh, yeah, thanks, man. Coming from a, a Wizards OG podcaster. I, I definitely appreciate it. So you, you know your way around the podcast team. So thanks for coming on again for anybody that hasn't heard at this point. Somehow uh, the Wizards have decided to part ways with Scott Brooks and, and we're coming in to do this right after Tommy Shepard's press conference. So, Troy, what was kind of your first takeaway from from Tommy and, and what he went through about the decision and, and why he chose to make that decision now?
0: Well, my first takeaway from Tommy and uh, listening very closely uh, to the words that he was saying, because, you know, you know, Tommy, he is comes from that PR world. So he knows the word Smith. He's He's very slippery. But I think there were some very poignant things that he said. And one of the things he said, he said, this was my decision when it it came to the uh, ultimate decision of parting ways with Scott Brooks. And so when I look at those words, I think that you know, that Tommy Shepard had to spend a little bit of time evaluating not only if this was the correct decision to make and moving forward with a new potential head coach, but also if that was the ultimate outcome, how to do it cleanly and mm-hmm. maintaining his friendship with his with his good buddy, Scott Brooks. And they, they share an agent. Um, I think that it was ultimately I think that it, it was definitely a decision for them to make this as. Uh, lenient and easy as possible, without really talking about the elephant in the room.
1: Yeah, to your point, he spent uh, probably fifty percent of the podcast or podcast, the press conference, reiterating that Scott Brooks is a great guy, he is a good friend. That this is not an indictment on his last five years here. It's more about you know moving the organization forward. He also said that he consulted with multiple people in the organization, took input, and sort of weighed the uh, opinions of of Russell Westbrook and. Bradley Beal and some of the other players, uh, imaginably, and then uh, used what I thought was kind of a gangsta line. Uh, this is show business, not show friends. And and that's not been sort of the mindset for this organization for the last, I don't know, 20 plus years. So I'm actually kind of really encouraged by him being willing to say that out loud.
0: Yeah, I think that when by him saying that, statement it really shows like the vast difference between uh tommy Shepard in the era of monumental basketball and the things that he's doing and the things that he's building versus what we saw from the non-transparency from the ernie grunfeld era mm-hmm. so you know like tommy like he, he's uh, first of all like i said because he comes from that pr world he is a word smith like he knows how to spin it but i mean he's very poignant when he said that like you know, it's not show business. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he has to be able to go out there, and he did it in a way that he will always remain friends with Scott Brooks. They'll be able to grab drinks at NBA Summer League for the next 10 years.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's huge. And, and the first thing you hear in basketball circles about Tommy Shepard is that he's, like, a relationship builder. He's a relationship guy. He's well-connected. Everybody likes Tommy. And that is a skill to be able to make those sort of tough choices and do it cleanly so that nobody, uh, you know, holds a grudge or, or any of those things. But I again, I was a little surprised by that. So uh, I'll take it, obviously. I think Wizards fans will take it. The timing of this is sort of the still the, the open question for me. Uh, th- did you get a sense from him, like, what he spent, you know, the last week and a half actually doing? Is that just weighing people's opinions, kind of sitting, you know, sitting, letting things sit a little bit? Like, what do you think went down here over the last, you know, week and a half?
0: Well, I think uh, knowing Tommy, I think that he's not a reactionary person at all. So I honestly believe that he was just doing his due diligence. Like he was just kind of gathering all the information. Like you said, um, you know, monumental basketball is a, a it's a, it's a lot of, larger than what it used to be uh, under the old regime. So there are a lot of different voices and he probably took the time to sit down with each and every person to get their opinion on it. And at the end of the day, like some people's opinions, I'm sure that it was probably split 50-50 or 60-40 in a way that, you know, there were people within that organization that wanted uh, Scott Brooks to uh, come back. You know, Russell Westbrook made it be known in a very vocal way that he thought that Scott Brooks had done everything to earn the right to come back. And so Tommy, he has to, he had to weigh all of that, but ultimately I think that he made a decision that, you know, under his, under this new regime, that it would probably be best to move forward with a head coach that he hired, not a head coach that was hired under the previous regime.
1: I think what you just hit on is huge. And I'd like to spend a little bit more time on that if we can. I can't remember the last time. A GM took a job and, and didn't sort of eventually, you know, make a move within a, a certain amount of time and especially a GM that was sort of hired from within. So uh, th- do you think that played a huge factor in this story? I mean, that, to me, I think that's one of the largest things here. The tiebreaker uh, is, hey, I want my guy.
0: Yeah, I think that that was the ultimate tiebreaker, that he just wanted his guy. And, I mean, he just kind of knows how the business operates and the fact that if he never was able to choose his own head coach, then all of his success or all of his failures would always be tied to this head coach that he didn't have a decision in making. So I think that that Tommy, he he saw this as an opportunity to kind of put his imprint and his stamp on the organization and kind of mold it in a way that he would like to create it going forward. I think that in his, uh, zoom press conference that he kind of emphasized a lot about how he wasn't looking in the past that he was trying to move forward and think about what he can do to help build the organization.
1: He also mentioned that in his opinion, that the head coaching position is the toughest job in anything related to professional basketball, which I I thought was an interesting comment. Uh, but this is going to be a tough search for, for Tommy Shepard. You know, a lot of teams, the position they're in, I think they can afford to maybe get a coach wrong and replace him after a year or two. Where they're at in terms of pressure being put on them by two-star players potentially, I, you know, he can't afford to get this wrong. So, so what do you think are the main factors he's going to have to look for when evaluating this next coach?
0: Well, I think the main factors that he's going to be looking for is looking for a coach who is able to make the proper in-game adjustments that can take this team to the next level and reach playoff success that they haven't been able to reach in years past. So I think that when he said that this is not a running back team, I think that he's really talking about that, that the level of making it as an eight seed is no longer acceptable. So he's looking for a coach that is going to be able to take the group of talent that he has assembled already and make them better. Like, I think that, Coming into this past season, a lot of people expected the Wizards to make the playoffs. And of course, they did it in a roundabout way. But ultimately, I don't think that, that Scott Brooks, as the coach of the team, was able to elevate the players and their talent levels and putting them in the best possible position that everybody can succeed in a way that they could win at that next level. So I think that that's, that's going to be, the, I think the X's and O's and the in-game adjustments is something that uh, that is going to be looking at very closely. But then when you also look at ever since they've uh, come out of the Ernie Grunfeld era, the number one word that has been used has been culture. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about the culture of the team and the culture of the organization, I think that they are already in a good place and they love all the things that Russell Westbrook brought to the organization from a culture standpoint and all, and I can tell you from like people that I've talked to within the organization, that all the stuff they say about Russell Westbrook is real. Mm-hmm. Like when they say that he comes in two hours before and he gets in, and he's already sweating. He does his workouts and he's doing, And he's like very much regimented in his routine that all of that stuff is true. So he has brought something to this organization that I think that it would definitely behoove the wizards. To, to look for a coach who can continue to build on that along with the X's and O's aspect of the game.
1: Yeah, we've had a couple, well, actually the, the guys we've had on are now no longer Wizards. So maybe that's a bad omen for players coming on this particular podcast. But uh, earlier in the year, both Troy Brown and Mo Wagner talked about like that immediate impact, like, oh, this, this year is gonna be different because of what you know Russell Westbrook is bringing to the table. So I, I think that's a great point. Tommy Shepard mentioned in his sort of end of series or end of season media availability that performance and ability to take the team to the next level would be those sort of two drivers in the next coach. And there's been some recent reporting, and I'd also like your opinion on what makes real reporting or not here in a minute, but uh, recent reporting that uh, Wes Unsell Jr. is going to be a name that that's going to be strongly considered here due to his um, defensive track record and player development track record. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Wes unselled as a particular, or, you know, as a potential choice for the Wizards?
0: Yeah, I, I I think that Wes Unsell Jr. would should be very highly ranked on anybody's estimate as to who's going to be the next head coach of the Wizards. Like he's a a, a, a for real candidate. Number one because he's already put in the work as an assistant coach with the Denver uh, Nuggets organization, and they've had a lot of playoff success. And he has gained a reputation as a as a guy who knows the X's and O's, and he can relate to the players, being the son of a former player. And it just so happens that he's the son of Wes Unsell Senior who is the greatest wizard slash bullet in the history of this organization the team literally still plays every game with a patch of 41 on uh, their jerseys representing the fact that Wes Unsell passed away uh, last year so I think that that he's an obvious choice and I think that If they were to go in that direction, I think that would be a a very wise decision for them to at least bring him in and give him an interview because he is a part of the hashtag DC family.
1: And now for a quick break to hear about one of our sponsors. I've been trying to eat a little less red meat these days. So when I do eat something, I want it to be really good. And Moink meat is delicious. I love it and you will too. So get Moink right now. Moink was founded by an eighth generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted, and I agree. And Jamie Siminoff, creator of the Ring Doorbell, invested in Moink. So why did just four companies control 80% of the U.S. meat industry? Because big food crushes the little guy, and you can help change that with moinkbox.com. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V, right now, and listeners to this show get free bacon for a year with every box ordered. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. Spelled Moink, M-O-I-N-K, box.com, slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. That's Moinkbox.com, slash believe. You won't regret it. And now, back to the show. We talked a couple episodes, and Larry kind of went through in his mind what the ideal choice for, you know, what the ideal profile of the next coach would look like. And, And Wes wasn't a name we brought up specifically, but I do think he checks a lot of those boxes of somebody that uh, has respect of players and credibility because of sort of the coaching tree, you know, he comes from and some of the names we went through were former players. And and obviously um, Wes Hunsell Jr. Not, uh, you know, a a big time player in, in that respect, but he has that credibility coming from somebody, like you said, with that track record with the organization, he knows what it's like to be, to be in that life. And and I think that's something that that these guys can relate to and will have respect for.
0: Yeah, I I think that he definitely checks uh, some of the boxes. I think that there are other candidates that would check uh, more or different boxes, like uh, guys like uh, Sam Cassell or Chauncey Billups or some of the names that have been thrown out there. And (laughs) I think that those former players would have a bit more cachet when it comes to uh, day one, Building that trust and relationship with uh Brad and a Russell Westbrook. So, you know, I I think Russ, like you know, Jason or Jason Kidd, even like even though I don't think Jason Kidd is, is is a you know final candidate for this job, but just a a player of a former player of that type. Like I said, I think Chauncey Billups and Sam Cassell are two names that would make a lot more sense. And I think both of those guys would definitely in day one earn the respect and trust of Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook.
1: Uh, one of, one of Larry's other suggestions with the, you know, he'd like to see the next coach be somebody that's sort of fiery or outwardly, you know, passionate, enthusiastic. And and you didn't really see that as much from Scott Brooks. He was sort of a, more of a, a low key laid back personality most of the time. So we talked about somebody like a Darvin ham that, you know, wasn't afraid to throw down in his playing days and things like that. Uh, do you know anything about Wes Unsell Jr.'s temperament? Or, I mean, does he check that kind of box from, from what you know, or may have heard?
0: Yeah, from my understanding, I think that uh, Wes Unso Jr. would probably be more in the temperament of the Stephen Silas type, a you know, quiet assassin, a worker. But I think at the, at the end of the day, these NBA players understand the amount of work that it takes to put into the grind of being an NBA coach. And so when they see somebody else grinding just as hard as them, they have a respect for that. So he, he earns his respect. He, he, like He, he shows uh by he walks how he talks it you know like he doesn't have to talk a big game but like he shows by the amount of work that he puts in
1: I can't remember the last time I saw the Wizards fan base as a whole this excited about anything I mean am, am I wrong here like I, when was the last time people were this happy about the same thing
0: when, when, when John Wall jumped on top of the scores table after hitting the game winning <laughs> shot against the Boston Celtics yeah, that's, that's the last time.
1: The, yeah, the the games, uh, game six moment, I, I think is the last thing I can kind of think of too. That's a really good call. Uh, just Troy, can you walk folks through what what reporting actually means? There's a lot of rumors coming out right about you know right about now about who knows what, who's hearing what, and and for anybody that sort of doesn't understand you know, what it takes to have like credible sourcing from, from NBA teams and things like that. Can can you explain that for us a little bit, what that looks like?
0: Yeah. So basically from what what I've seen uh, in the sports media landscape of the last few years has been a lot of people trying to be first and not correct. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot of people like jump the gun when they receive information and not really understanding like the amount of hours, the the, the, the time, the transcribing that people put in, the time and effort that people put in to have accurate reporting of different situations. And so they're like, you, you might talk to one source and that might be, that source of information might be good, it might not be good. You know, it, it, you, you might not you have to vet those sources against other sources and talk to like tons of different people within an organization and try to piece together what exactly it is going on, not just taking one piece of information as solid gold and running with it on the internet. And as we see nowadays, you can take a source and, and you can put it on the internet, you run into a report. And then then next thing you know, uh, some other uh, third party outlet picks it up. And now, you know, it's got a 2000 retreat. Now everybody's Talking about it as if it's fact. And I honestly believe that, you know, a part of being in sports media, there's a responsibility of, you know, being accurate with the information that we disseminate to the fans, being accurate with the information that you get from other people, and taking that information and going out and investigating yourself to see if that information is even true. And I think that that is a very tedious process. And so I think that there there are a lot of people out there who are still into it, but there are a lot of people who aren't, and that's what happens in the in the sports media world right now. And you get a lot of misinformation out there, and it, it's it can it can become very confusing for people.
1: I think that's a very tactful way to walk that through for folks. And one of the things I seem to notice is that the thinking seems to be nobody will remember your misses. You know, you can always like harp, you know hearken back to the that's the one I got right. And no one will remember the two or three times you just reported something without credible sourcing too much. So I, that, that seems to be what drives a lot of folks is it'll make my career if I get this one big scoop right. And, and hopefully no one will remember if I say the opposite thing in two months.
0: Well, they don't they don't make people uh, print uh, newspaper retractions anymore. So that goes along with it, too. So if you miss who's really there to say that you miss, like it, it's it's all a court of public opinion. And I think that really the masses have really kind of lost track of what is actual reporting. And so it's hard for people to even be able to decipher what is real or fake information. So people just see something, and they see their person, somebody they know, and they're a reliable source. And then next thing you know, a blue checkmark account retweets it, and now you take it as fat.
1: That's 100%. Uh, just last thing before I, I let you get out of here. Um, all NBA teams were announced yesterday. Bradley Beal makes a third team. Russell Westbrook left off. So sort of two questions. Uh, should Beal have been higher, and was Westbrook snubbed?
0: I thought Bill should have been exactly where he was on the third team All-NBA. He was the first guard. He was above Kyrie, so I thought that he should have been exactly where he was slotted. Uh, Russell Westbrook was not snubbed. If anybody who watched the first two months of Wizards basketball know that he was not an All-NBA player. And yes, he did put forth a valiant effort in helping the Wizards raise the Wizards from the dead, literally, and getting them to the playoffs. I don't think he was an All-NBA player. Um, I think that there were other players who would have a much bigger gripe about being snubbed, like, like a Jason Tatum or a Donovan Mitchell. Those guys to me uh, have much bigger complaints about not making all NBA, especially when it impacts them in such a huge financial way.
1: I think it, the one thing that would help everybody is just sort of laying out the criteria that, that voters are supposed to go, you know, make their decisions based on for everybody. I mean, obviously some of it's personal opinion, but, it is winning prioritized for this, like it was for All Star voting in the last couple of years? Like, how do you sort of reconcile those things? Uh, how many games played disqualifies you from making that list? You know, I think Kyrie was the name a lot of people took some issue with making it over Westbrook specifically, or making it over those other names you mentioned. But uh, you know, he he put in sort of a a pretty solid season statistically for the second best team in the East, and and they were going to have a representative, I think, no matter what.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not mad at Kyrie making it, and I don't think that we're at. You're asking for something that is like literally fairy tale, fairy tale yeah. land as far as having a criteria, because ultimately, like they, the the collection of writers that they have, they come from all different news publications, and the Athletic, and Yahoo Sports, and ESPN. They come from. It's a, it's a very eclectic group of uh, national and beat reporters who uh, vote for it. But at the end of the day. They didn't decide to vote and have the power to make the, the their all-NBA votes impact these uh, contracts. The NBA Players Association and the NBA decided that. So, you know, the, the power was bestowed upon them, and they didn't ask for it. And you're going to get some quacky votes every now and then, but you're just going to have to charge that to the game. But I do know that I have more faith in the media voting than I do in the player voting, so...
1: Uh, yeah, right,
0: Larry's not here. I know he might not like that, but I'm going to keep it real.
1: <laughs> uh, I think he's very, very open to the, the obvious favoritism that goes on at, at certain points in his day. It might've been more, Hey, I don't like that guy for, so I won't vote for him. I think there's probably less of that today and more. I will vote for my buddy. Uh, but I, I'm going to ask him about that next week. Cause I think that would be, uh, that'd be interesting to hear a little bit more on, uh, Troy, thank you so much for the time before we let you go. Uh, anything you have coming up that that you're working on that you want to plug or promote that that people can keep an eye out for?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to have an article coming out in the Washington City Paper on Friday. Pretty much just covering uh, Tommy decisions, desi- Tommy Shepard's decision to uh, part ways with Coach Scott Brooks. Um, I'm going to do some reporting behind the scenes to figure out, you know, what led up into that two week process and how the negotiations went, and you know, just talking to different people and figure out what exactly happened with that. Uh, I had an article that was in the City Paper uh, a week and a half ago, where I talked about how this was the biggest decision of Tommy Shepard's uh, tenure as GM, and it turns out he he knew that as well, and and, and he went ahead and executed his right to uh, make a decision. So I think that people should be on the lookout always at all of the great work at the Washington City Paper. Shout out to uh, Kellen Song, the best editor of this side of the Mississippi.
1: Yeah, for anybody that that doesn't. Uh regularly check in on Washington City Paper, I think you guys do as good a job of anybody as sort of keeping that pulse of the fan base, you know, like, here's the things that people actually want to hear most about, you know, it's not, uh, here's four pages of latest salary cap, and, and th- you know, like, it, it's, it's very current, here are the things that people would care most about. So uh, keep up the good work. Again, Troy, thank you for the time, and, and look forward to having you back on here pretty soon.
0: I appreciate that, Matt. Thank you.